Um, has this been a good series for you? I hope in due time. Um, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been challenging for sure. Um, I, I, it's been for me, just full disclosure, challenging because I'm not like a super organized person, but I really take this job, this role seriously, right? So I'm not the guy who's like, I'll just, let me tell you a quick story. I'm going somewhere with it, hang with me. When I was a, a, making the circuit as a camp speaker, and listen, it, until you go speak at middle school camps, you have not lived. I know some of y'all are like, never, that would be hell. But for me, that was, that's my tribe, right? Middle schoolers are my tribe. Says a lot about my, where I'm at mentally probably. But I remember I was, I was at that camp, and I wasn't speaking that morning. It was going to be a chapel service, and so they would have different youth pastors do the service. And the youth pastor who was responsible for doing chapel that morning walked up to me as the band was finishing their last worship song. He held his Bible out, and he said, he started flipping through it, and he said, just put your finger somewhere. And I went, why? So whatever verse you point to, I'm going to go preach on it. Now, he might have been super connected to the Holy Spirit, right? And, like, I'm not denying the fact that God might have worked through him that way. But the first thing I thought was, dude, like what you hold in your hand is the precious word of God for the precious people of God, and you're going to leave it to chance? Dude, that's not responsible. I mean, I didn't tell him that I just thought all that stuff while I did that, you know, and then he went and did what he did. But I'm just telling you that because, like, I don't like to step up here and not have a plan, right? Now, um, the people that, are, that meet in the back and pray, before church, they'll tell you flat out, most of my prayers every week are the same. And this is how it goes. Lord, I've got notes. We have a set list. We have a plan. And we lay them at your feet. Now you come and do what you want to do. And if you want to burn all that stuff up and just put me in the corner while you take care of everything, I'm cool with it, right? So it's not like we have a plan, we have to follow it. My point is, I don't want to step up here and wing it when it comes to the Word of God and the people of God. So, every week, we'll be 11 years old. Somebody do the math. 11 times 52 is a lot. So, for a lot of weeks, I mean, I would step up here with an outline, not because I'm married to it, but because I want to have a plan. And in this due time series, in this season, this has not been, that's just not been what it's been. I mean, I have literally, there have been... <laughs> We, we've had some staff lunches where John has said, dude, like that. He didn't say, dude. Can you imagine John saying, dude? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was fun, y'all. I mean, I don't know what you saw, but I was envisioning John going, dude, right? <laughs> that would have been college John, right? Maybe college John. But he would say, like, that message was so on point. And I would tell him, if I could open up my iPad and show you my notes, like in my notes app, it would be like two or three verses, and that's all I had. I mean, I knew what I felt like I wanted to say, but I didn't have it like word for word. And, that's, and maybe it won't be that way forever, but it's been that way right now. Um, and it's just been crazy uncomfortable, but so fruitful, right? And so we want to we wrap this up this morning. Um, talking about birth announcements. 
So let's just get started with a few. I've got three. I'll just talk you through it. So if, if you were going to, if you, when you have a baby, you typically tell people. Am I right? So um, sometimes the way you tell people is the baby won't stop crying. But there's always an announcement. And so if you were going to send out birth announcements, you, you've got a couple of different ways you could go. So you could go simple. I think we have one right here that's kind of a simple birth announcement, right? Uh, we love, we welcome our little flower. Oh, little flower. How cute is that? Edith Harold. I'm not sure if the flower's a boy or a girl, but whatever. Um, and then the, the birthday, the, the, and all that stuff. So then, then you could do that, or you could do adorable. Right? I mean, isn't that adorable, y'all? But I would choose to do fun. Can we have the, do we have the fun one? Yeah. I mean, that's the way to announce a birth, right? Um, so this morning, I want to talk to you about, about birth announcements. And here's what I want you I want you to say three words with me. We are witnesses. Would you say that? We are witnesses. We've talked about birthing revival, right? And when you birth something, you need to announce that it's happened. And so let's talk about birth announcements. Um, I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you've got a physical Bible, like you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and then we'll also, at some point, I think we'll be in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. See how I think we might be there, but I'm not quite sure. We'll find out. But I know that we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 13. I'm going to read from the New International Version. I'm going to ask you to stand while I do that. We're going to honor God, and we're going to honor His Word. This is what it says. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Full disclosure, the next two verses are verses that we read and gloss over because we don't have any idea what they're talking about. What does he ascended mean? See how Paul knew that we didn't know? Right? What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Just really quickly so you don't get lost in all of this. What that means is Jesus was killed on Friday and he was busy on Saturday. We're going to celebrate this in a couple of weeks. So he wasn't like taking a nap in the tomb on Saturday like, yeah, I'm just chilling for a little bit before it's Sunday because I told him three days so I don't want to come out early. He was busy on Saturday. He was busy doing what we just read. He descended. Um, let's see. We could just say like he KO'd the devil on the cross and he validated it Saturday in hell. He went down with the keys that he had won and he opened up all those jail cells and he said, hey, y'all are with me. And so he descended so that he could ascend to the heights in order. This is the whole reason he did all that. In order that you could put on a really fantastic Easter play. In order that our church can serve the best coffee found on Sunday. In order that Paul can preach an amazing service, a sermon every single Sunday. In order that you can be moved by the worship every single Sunday. No, in order to fill the whole universe. He fills everything. That's the reason all that happened. And I want you to, don't miss verse 8. When he ascended, when he had did, done all that, he took many captives. He led an army of people who were captive to freedom. Okay? 
All right, now back to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that, again, remember, the so that is like, wait, why did he do that? So that the body of Christ, that's you, just feel your shoulder or whatever, your shoulder, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Have a seat. Tell the person next to you, get your notes ready. I'm not going to try to make this complicated. I want to try to make this as simple as possible. And so we're going to talk about, from that passage, we're going to talk about five things that birth announcements lead to. Are you with me? So if you're a note taker, you're writing on your sheet, birth announcements lead to. And I'm going to give you five things from that passage of Scripture. Are you ready? Have you got that written down? I don't want to go too fast for my note takers. All three of them. Okay. But see, most of y'all don't take notes because you're like, he's going to post the outline. <laughs> God got you, right? No, you'll have to take notes or rewatch it, which will just up our YouTube stats. And I'm cool with that too. So however you want to do it, you know. Here we go. Five things that birth announcements lead to from that passage in Ephesians. And then we'll take a little detour into 1 Peter. Number one, at least a celebration. Isn't that true? Like, why do you send out birth announcements? Nobody sends out like, pray for us. We've had a baby. <laughs> a couple months after the birth announcement, you would like to send that announcement. Am I right? Like, pray for me and please come babysit. I need coffee, right? Like, that's kind of where you are a couple months into it. But at the beginning, you just want everybody to know. We, we, we got a baby, y'all, a baby, like a little bitty wrinkly human being. We have that in our house. Woo! For us, it was like, we have that times two. We got a lot of condolence cards. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> At least a celebration. Verse 8, we read this. This is, what, this is why it says about Jesus, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, after he had defeated Jesus, Satan at the cross, after he had gone down into the, the hell region, after he had taken those captives, what does it say he did? He took many captives and gave gifts to his people. I want you to picture, right, like picture um, the opposite of Santa Claus. Because when we think of, like, Christmas Eve and Santa's busy and all that stuff, Santa's sleigh is being pulled by reindeer. Should we try to name them now? No, we don't have time, and I'll look like a fool. So there, I know one of them has a red nose. That's all I know for sure. But what we see is they are leading him. But with Jesus, it's exactly the opposite. Jesus is leading a long line of people who were captive. You and I are in that line. We're being led by Jesus to victory. Now, if you can't celebrate that, it's because you don't know what victory is like. When the war in Ukraine ends and the aggressor has been, I'm trying to think, what's this, what is the right way to say this? Has had their butt kicked. Is that the right way? When they've been sent packing back home by people who desire freedom, you think they're going to be quiet in Ukraine? 
Nope. There's going to be some celebration going on, right? I've seen people healed. Guess what healed people do? Celebrate. I've seen people who were addicted and are no longer addicted. Guess what they do? Well, you've been here, right? Y'all seen Teen Challenge come, haven't you? Have you been to a graduation ceremony for Ground 40? Like, I go to those and I'm like, why, why can't church be like this? Oh, I know why. Because church people aren't free. Because if we were, we would celebrate. Biggest pet peeve. I, get, I tell too much about me and you. They're never going to want us to pastor them anymore. One of Wendy's biggest pet peeves, outside of my snoring, that's the biggest, but one of her biggest pet peeves is when churches get up and talk about people who just gave their lives to Jesus and no one claps. And she'll look at me, she's like, what's wrong with these people? Are you kidding me right now? Like, do they even know what heaven's doing right now? Like, heaven is rejoicing so loudly that it's mentioned in the Bible when one. And what happens, like, if we have Easter Sunday, and let's just say 400-ish people try to cram into a service, right? Just speaking prophetically. Well, for starters, a lot of y'all are going to be out in the lobby because you're going to give your best seats for the people that come to be guests in the house. But, but let's just say out of that 400, we gave an altar call, and I don't know, 25, 40, 80 people gave their hearts to Jesus. And if I got up and said, y'all, y'all, are you kidding me right now? Like 80 people just gave their hearts to Jesus. I know what you would do. I, you want to you show people what you would do? You want to practice right now? Yeah. Yeah. And you should. And you should. And, and I would be like, Doing cartwheels, that would be ugly. But you know what I'm saying? But what if I got up on Easter Sunday morning with 400 people in the house and I said, y'all, one person? Right? It's almost like we're driven by the number. And I'm not shaming you. I feel, that I feel it too. Like we're driven by that number. Like, oh, it was the great, it was a couple weeks ago. I don't know how many weeks ago it was, John, but John, like, again, we, we started our staff lunch with like wins. So we talk about wins, you know, like, and, and he was like, y'all, I know it's not all about the money, but yesterday we had the greatest one day offering, regular offering we've ever had in almost 11 years as a church. It's huge, right? It's huge. So yeah, I know y'all don't know what to do, but I was like, yeah, you know, I was in it, right? We were in it. But then what about the widow's mite? Right? The widow's mite, right? Because I think, I think Jesus stood on the other side of the road and said, hey, y'all, quick, come here, come here. Look over there. Like, yeah, I see all those like, guys, the guys with the funny hat. They keep, like, ringing bells and dropping money in. No, 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 not them. Her. I just, well, I just heard two clinks, right? That's all she has. We, we get so caught up on the, the number, the, and God's about the heart, right? So... So I recognize that, and I'm not trying to be awful and hard and all that stuff, but can we just, I mean, Renee has already set the table. We're going to be honest with the Lord today. Can we just be honest and admit we don't, we don't celebrate because we don't know what victory is like. It's been so long since you were saved, you forgot that you were saved sometimes. I'm the same way. Like, well, this is church. Like, it's what we do. 
Yeah, the band was pretty good this morning. Paul was on it. Like, he was, he had some caffeine today, right? I don't even, I don't even, I'm not sure I like what he said, but, like, he was in it, right? But it's almost like we're so used to it that we don't celebrate it. You're sitting in a service this morning. To the people that are watching online, don't take this, like, don't be offended, right? You're sitting physically in a service this morning. And two years ago, some of us were like, will that ever happen again? And here we are. There's reason to celebrate, y'all. You're breathing today. You woke up today, right? Some of you woke up, went for a run, and you're still with us, right? There's reason to celebrate. I don't want us to lose that. And I've said this, I think it's very honest. We don't celebrate well. And it's not, I'm not slamming us, but I believe that we are coming into a season where we will celebrate. We have to celebrate. You're not going to get people to come to church by going like, yeah, it's okay. Just come on. Just, just, I mean, just come endure it with me. It'll change your life. <laughs> right? No, we celebrate. Like, we've had a baby, y'all. We had a baby. We have been led. We were captive, and we've been led. And so after you announce this, and it leads to celebration, it leads to gifts. Parents of newborns, say amen about gifts. Amen. Come on, like when somebody just hands you a gift card, you're like, what, what is this shiny thing that has a restaurant's name on it? And, and that's cool, but imagine this. They hand you the gift card and also their number to call to watch the baby while you go eat. It was like, that's a good gift, and now we're like at another level, Right? Best thing, best, I mean, we've got some good friends, but the best gift Wendy and I were ever given. We talk about it all the time. When the boys were born, it came seven weeks early. I don't, I don't think we slept for three months. I don't think we did. I mean, we both had to get up for the feedings. It was just, it, they were so small. And so it, it, zombies are real, right? <laughs> we have been them. <laughs> We had, we had some really good friends. They came over to our, um, we live in a mobile home. They came over, they, they walked in, and this is what they said. Y'all, it was like maybe four in the afternoon. We know you're tired. We've just come. We'll, we'll, get, we'll do the next feeding, because it was all like bottle feeding. Um, we'll do the next feeding. Y'all just go lay down, take a nap. And we were like, you know when you're, just, you, you're so tired. You're not arguing. You're just like, cool. We went back. And when we got up, we walked out, and they were still, they were still there, thankfully. <laughs> they were still there. And, like, Derek's one of the, he was the guy. He was, like, sitting in a rocking chair, like, holding Parker, I think. And then his wife, Vicky was on the couch holding Will. And we walked, we stumbled out of the room, and, and we were just like, man, y'all, thank you so much. We really needed that. And then we looked at the clock. It was the next morning. <laughs> the, the, they were still there, right? Like they, they had, she, she was like, well, we just like looked in the fridge and found some more milk and like they just figured it out. They were like, we were not waking y'all up, right? That's a gift. That's a gift, right? I don't want you to miss this. When you have a baby, you need some help. Parents say amen, right? Uh, when you have a child, you need help. When you have a teenager, you need help. Help, help, right? When they're grown, you need help. Like when you have a kid, you enter this stage in your life where you need help. If you would just recognize that, your life would be a lot better. 
And Jesus knew that when we birth something, we need gifts. And it says in verse 8 again, he gave gifts to his people. And when you jump down past those two weird verses about the elevator up and down, then you get to verse 11. So Christ himself gave. Now these are the gifts that he gave you. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We could spend the whole, like a whole month, more than that, talking about the fivefold ministry gifts that God has given to the body, right? I don't believe that that means that there are five superstars in every church that should do everything. I believe that when I'm preaching the word and I'm looking out at y'all, I'm looking at a room full of people who are one of those five. That we're to mobilize and equip a body to go do the ministry. That's how I see you. You're not coming here to get fed. You're coming here to get equipped because you have something to go do. So we get gifts given to us. And I just want you to recognize that those are the gifts. And I love that, that Jesus didn't give it to UPS or FedEx to deliver. It says that Christ himself hand-delivered these gifts to the body. You know it's a special gift when it's hand-delivered. And especially when it's handmade, right? I, I, we joke all the time about the, the book that Sydney gave me one time. She was like in second grade, and she went to the school store to get this for Father's Day. And so for that year for Father's Day, she gave me a book entitled, um, what was it called? Like, You Can Be a Great Father, something like that. <laughs> how, to be a, how to Be a Good Father. That's what it was called, <laughs> How to Be a Good Father. And she meant it like, you're a good father, but I was like, Wow, thanks a lot. What, what are you trying to say? You know, he, And here's why he gives us the gifts. Here's the third thing. So the, the five things that birth announcements lead to. One is celebration. Two is gifts. And then number three is um, preparation. It says in verse 12, he, he does this to equip his people for works of service. Your translation may have to prepare them so that they will be prepared. Um. Can I also, can we take a, a little detour and talk about accountability? First huh. Peter chapter 3, verses, verse 15 says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always, how often? Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who? Who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. When we give birth... And we announce it, we step into a place of accountability. Like, can you imagine? We had a baby. Like if, if Wendy and I could have another child and we had a baby and we sent all of you the birth announcement, it would 100% be the I escape from the womb one. If we sent you an announcement and then we kept showing up every Sunday and we never had a baby with us. What do you do with that? Do y'all like gather in the lobby and draw straws for who's going to be the one that walks up and says, wait, didn't you say you had a baby? We haven't seen it. It's accountability, right? Birth announcements lead to accountability. You don't get to go give it a testimony and then not be held accountable. That's not, that's not how this works. When we give the testimony, we're saying to people, look what God's done in my life and keep looking at what God's doing in my life. 
We don't have babies at the hospital and then leave them there. We bring them home. Because I think at the hospital, they're like, yeah, no, you're not leaving it here. No, so you're taking the baby with you. I know that thing cries a lot, right, and it's not going to cry here. You'll be having that in your home now. But, but like, it really stinks. Yes, and it's your stink, right? Take, take the baby with you. That's the way this works. So there's accountability involved. So let's just talk really briefly about 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I want to highlight a couple of words, give you the Greek meaning, and then we'll jump back in for the last two. Are y'all good? I'm trying to talk fast, and I'm sure I've probably talked way too long already, but let's just keep going. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. The Greek word for Lord is kyrios. And listen to what it means. He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which... He has power of deciding. Let me just say that again. Make sure we get this. He, the Lord, is the person, is to whom a person or thing belongs. So when I say that Jesus is my Lord, the Greek word means he, I belong to him. Right? I belong to Jesus. Sounds like a really good worship song. But then if you keep going with that, it says about which he, Jesus, has power of deciding. It's almost like when we make him Lord, he becomes our power of attorney. And what we say to him is, um, I'm giving you legal authority to call the shots of my life. Tell me people that I talk to about getting married that have never fasted about who they should marry. I didn't either. <laughs> we don't talk like this. Like, I didn't fast for days to ask Wendy, like, is she the one, God? I said, look, look, looking for a sign. Like, if Wendy's the one, I'll turn on the radio and Chicago will be playing. <laughs> right? It's crazy. And so we approach really big decisions like that. You know, and we typically tweak it so that we will get the answer we're looking for. Right? Like, you live in Seattle. Like, God, if, if you're calling me to do this, make it rain. It rains like 370 days out of 365 days in Seattle, right? The point, we don't, we don't, do we really allow him to be Lord? Like, save me, God, but just leave me alone so I can live my life. So when he says, like, get this, the very first thing we have to do before we can even give an accurate witness like before we can even really announce the birth of revival, is set apart Christ as Lord. Like, we could spend the rest of our lives marinating on three words. Jesus is Lord. And if he is, it changes your relationships, it changes your checkbook, it changes every decision you make because he's Lord. The Greek word for sanctify. So in your, ver- in your Bible, it might say set apart Christ as Lord. Mine says, but in your hearts, revere. So the word for revere, for set apart, that Greek word is, this is great, hagiazo. And it means to separate from profane things. Profane meaning not holy, right? And to dedicate to God, to purify. Y'all, I, I just... I feel like I could just preach on everything all this the whole time. But are we set apart? I mean, this is step one. Have we done this? 
Have you and I set our lives apart? Have we separated ourselves from profane things? Am I the only one that watches TV, watches a movie, listens to a song? Like, I want to be culturally relevant. Like, I want to know why Will Smith was slapping Chris Rock. Like, I wanted to know all that stuff. But, like, do you ever watch the things that we normally consume? Do you ever have the check in your spirit? Like, I don't know, man. I'm not sure I need to be doing this. And then the people you want to tell are also people in the church. And they're like, but this is how we have fun together. I know, man, I'm not, I'm not saying alcohol's wrong. I'm just saying I think it's wrong for me. I think maybe it's time to grow up and put that bottle down and, like, start drinking tea, which might not be a better choice. I don't know. It's not sweet it is. If it's my mother-in-law's tea, it might not be healthy, right? Because it's like... It's good. I'm not saying it's not good. Don't look at me like that. You're scaring me a little bit, right? It's good. It's good. It's just like southern syrup. It's just really, really good, right? But at some point, like, when, when do we make the decision? Like, we make the big decision. Like, I'm not going to look at porn. But, but you're watching Games of Thrones. Like, huh? Like, is that, is that too much to say? Like, it's, 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 it's porn, y'all. It's just soft porn, and you're watching it, but, it's, but it's not, it doesn't have a centerfold. Yep. It's right there. It's part of the plot. Yeah, so is sin. Okay, next Greek word. And this is really what I want to get to, right? Are you all good? Are you okay? I'm good. I just say stuff like that so you'll breathe. But I'm totally good. I got no problem preaching the true word of God. Zero problem with it. You can have a problem hearing it. That's you and Jesus. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. I think your version might say to give an account. Yes? Do you know what the Greek word is for that? Just blew me away. I was expecting some, like, legal term. It's logos. Like, in the beginning was the word, Jesus, logos. And then I was like, that makes no sense. Like, always be prepared to give Jesus to everyone who asks, I mean, that's a good answer. But logos, here's what logos means. Logos implies that our defense will be with words and speech. Now, when I was youth pastoring, I mean, I'm just looking at Jordan because you'll remember this, right? Um, Kyle, too, Shannon, I mean, all, all, of you that, all of you that were in my youth group. Remember when lifestyle evangelism was the big deal? Lifestyle evangelism. It's like, well, I don't, I don't need to preach with my mouth because I'm wearing the T-shirt, Right? And that's when you, you got in, like, people wearing Christian T-shirts that didn't act like Christians. It just confuses everybody, right? Like, I don't want to have to say it with my mouth because that'll scare me. So I'll just, like, I, like we, I think we watched a video one time, and the guy was, like, closing his eyes really slowly and had crosses on his eyelids. <laughs> it's like, that's how I witness. No, that's how you freak people out, right? Like, don't, don't do that. Like, just use words. The point here is when you set Jesus apart as Lord, when you literally say, you call the shots in my life, when you do that, you separate yourself from the things in your life that aren't holy, you literally run the risk of being called a goody-two-shoes. I don't even know what that means. I mean, goody-two-shoes, whatever that means. But run the risk of being called that. When you do that, here's what God dropped in my heart. How we live creates curiosity. What we say reveals integrity. We should be living such set-apart lives that people would actually say to us, why do you live like that? 
And if, if we don't have an answer for that with words, the logos, with actual words, then they'll walk away going, what? It's like wearing a Christian t-shirt and like, it sounds like I'm harping on drinking. That's not, I'm just trying to use an illustration. Um, be thankful that you weren't in my youth group. I remember one Wednesday night, my message for youth, I walked in with a, with a brown bag and like drinking out of the brown bag, right? As I'm preaching the, the message, which I thought was going to be a great illustration. You know, they're going to be like, why is Paul drinking beer while he's talking to us about Jesus? But what they were actually thinking was, this is so stupid. Paul would never drink beer, <laughs> right? Like they knew it was fake 100%. But my point to them was even seeing me do that diminishes the word that I'm speaking to you. Like that's what compromise does in our lives. We play with the enemy way too much. He's dangerous. He doesn't want to just kill you. He wants to silence you until you die, right? So we, we use words to give an account. Are you with me so far? So that's the third thing. Celebration, gifts, and in preparation slash accountability. Um, here's the last two. Let's try to go fast. I've already said that once. You know it didn't work, so I'm just trying. Whatever. Let's just finish. The fourth thing is community. Ephesians 4.13. So we're back in Ephesians now. Ephesians 4.13. We, we do all this. He gives us gifts. He prepares us. He holds us accountable. And why? So that, verse, verse, verse 12, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And in verse 13, until we, how many? All. Until we all reach unity. It's a community thing. When you give birth, not only do you ask for help if you're smart, like somebody, like I know people who move closer to their parents just because they had kids. Because oh, my mom and dad, they'll love to keep the kids, right? Smart move. I'm, I, why do you live next door to your family? Well, babysitting, right? That's why. Like we naturally need people for sure, but what I want you to see is it's part of God's plan. As we birth revival, we don't get to go to our individual homes and have individual revival. This is a community thing. He's birthing revival. I mean, Zach and I were talking during the intermission. Like, it's crazy. Every single week for, like, the last five months, I just show up to church and go, I have no idea what you're going to do today, God. I'm here for it. Don't know what it's going to be. I'm not trying. We don't want to manufacture it. We don't want to make it happen. But, man, he's doing something in our body. And it's beautiful. But it's in the body. Can I just say something that might blow your mind? I heard a preacher say this. Um, I was watching a video. And like sometimes you watch the video, you're not really listening. And they say something, you're like, wait, what? what? What did he just say? And he dropped this little bomb. He was talking about people that say, hey, I love Jesus. I don't really like the church. And he said, you know, people will always say, I don't need to go to church. I am the church. And he looked at the, he looked at the people and he said, let me tell you the truth. You're not the church. We are the church. The church is an individual. It's collective. You're a part of the body. You're not the body. Well, let that marinate for a little bit, right? Well, that changes everything, doesn't it? Like, we're called to community. And the only reason that you don't want community is because you don't want the accountability that we just talked about. Because accountability comes in community. And I don't want it either. I'm just letting you know. Nobody should really. I just want to get beat up, y'all. Just reveal all my flaws right now. Nobody wants that. But in community, in a loving place, you will have your flaws revealed. 
Because the goal is that we all grow together. And then finally, number five, you've already guessed it, is maturity. Verse 13 says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. And isn't that the goal, y'all? When you give birth to a child, I mean, we might wish they could stay children and like little infants for the rest of their lives. But if they're colicky, no, you're like, Lord, this, this season has got to pass. I'm calling the intercessors at my church and a church and every church I can think of to pray for my kid to get out of this stage, right? Like, you don't want them to stay babies. You don't want to change their diapers the whole time, their whole lives. You want them to grow up, y'all. God wants us to reach maturity. That's the goal. The goal is not to celebrate a new birth or a new beginning that doesn't actually complete itself. Philippians 1.6 says, you are faithful to finish what you start. He said that about a God who leads a whole bunch of people that read the first chapter and never finish the book. But he's calling us to maturity, to completion, and you can't get there alone. That comes together. That comes as the full body reaches full maturity. All right. So how do we end this? I'm really I'm asking. I don't know. How, how do we end this, right? I think we end it by submitting ourselves. I think we have to do the very first thing, right? We have to set apart Christ as Lord. Dan, will you come? He knows he knew this was gonna happen. I just thought this would be a fun role reversal because usually y'all interrupt me and I'm interrupting him right now, right? He shared this with me during intermission, and he was like, I think this might be good. And it's, the minute he shared it, I was like, this is how we have to end because it's so powerful and, and also practical, okay? So this is Dan. Um, listen closely, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Good morning. So here's the deal. We, um, I'm a teacher, work with students, support students in a classroom. <clears throat> and anybody who has children knows children don't want to do what they're asked to do at that moment, Right? So we're in an English class, they're learning to write papers, and we've got kids sitting back, you know, they do their thing, they're on the phone, they're whatever, listening to music, not paying attention. And then when they find out there's a due date coming, they're like, oh no, but I, I don't have time. What have you been doing for the last two weeks? So turnabout, last week something happened to one of my guys that really struggles with doing his work, and he started doing work. And one of the first things I said to him and the other teacher was saying is, you got to meet me halfway. I can't grade a blank paper. I can't grade a blank screen, right? If you don't go out and start the mower, you're not going to be able to mow the grass. So you take it where you need to. So the other day, here's the first step. Now what? I'm, I'm poking the other teacher. <laughs> he just did his first sentence. You know, this is a high schooler, okay? But he, he, he met us halfway. Here's the next step. Here's the hook. Now you need to go find a quote. There's 200 pages in that book. I don't know where the quote is. You gotta dig in, right? I didn't even think about that part just now, but you gotta dig in. So he's searching, always oh, getting frustrated. He's slamming the book down. I can't find it. I said, what you got in front of you? Computer. Google your thought. 
it brought up the stinking page where it was in the book. All right? I didn't know it was going to do that. He's just meeting me halfway. I'm meeting him the other half. A couple of days going by. We came back Monday and Tuesday. The same thing. He's taking that step. Now what? Taking that step. Now what? Submit. You're done. What? It's not due till Wednesday. Sit back and relax. And he literally went. And his three buddies are going, how'd you do that? <laughs> he goes, I worked while you always on your phone. I said, did you work hard? Nope. Did you take it home and work on it? Nope. He said, I just, I said, what'd you do? He goes, I met you halfway. He took that first step. We're all in different parts of that journey. Some of us just need to take that first step. I inverted your outline. All right. Write this down. No, I'm just kidding. I did invert it. He guides us as he prepares us. Meanwhile, he unites us and matures us so he can celebrate with us. We have celebration at the top, and that, that works. But the celebration comes at the end when you've done the work. Does that make sense? Hope so. So I wanted Dan to share that because I love the whole picture of like he was saying to the student, I can't, I can't really do anything with a zero, but like do, just do something. Turn something in so I have somewhere to start. And I think when we talk about these kind of like theoretical issues like revival, we don't, you know, we've tried to define that for you, right? That's an awareness of and a response to the presence of God in here and out there, right? He's not looking to revive the city. He's looking to awaken the church. And then he can use the church to revive the city. That's what he's after. And it's easy to kind of go, okay, that was really good, but you're going to get in the car and go, I have zero idea what to do with that. So I want to bring you back to the foundation. And this is how we started the whole thing. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. And that's how it all begins. Set apart Jesus as Lord. And then you become prepared to always give an answer. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Um, even if you're watching online, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. Just close out all the distractions. I'm not going to give an altar call. But I am going to call you to examine your life and not look for maybe all the ways that you are failing. But maybe just ask the Lord could you highlight in this moment, Father, maybe an area where you aren't, I haven't set you apart as Lord. Now, this could mean the difference between heaven and hell for you, right? If you've never decided to follow Jesus, if you aren't a disciple of Christ, if you're not following him, even when you're following him, have you noticed that there are times as you follow Jesus that you don't submit something to his lordship, right? Where the power of attorney goes, I'm making a call that I need that part of your life. And we're like, Ugh, maybe not that part. That's what I'm asking you to do right now. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, that's your step. Is to make him Lord, right? But Peter's writing to the church. 
And he's writing to people who have made the decision for Jesus to be Lord. And now he's, he's calling them to set him apart as Lord. Make another conscious decision to set him apart as Lord. And so would you just ask him right now? And if you're like me, it won't take you long to get an answer. It may take you a while to filter through all the answers to find the one that he wants to highlight. There's all kinds of areas that we need to set him apart as Lord. And your response to this entire series is to take that simple step of obedience in that area to say, be Lord of that area, God. Be Lord of things that I consume, the things that I watch. Be Lord of how I, how I steward the resources you've given me. Be Lord of how I, how I speak to other people. Be Lord, God. And that, friends, is how we get to the place where we can sing a song like nothing else. Because we've taken one step at a time of just submitting our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then we find ourselves, like Dan said, years later celebrating that we have, in fact, found that there's nothing else but Jesus. Do you have that? Do you have that answer from the Lord? I'm going to ask you, this is, Jesus say seated. Keep your eyes closed because people think you're weird. I'm going to ask you just to envision yourself putting that thing into your hands. And I want you just to lift that to the Lord. And God, this is yours. I'm sanctifying this part of my life to you, and to your Lordship. And as I do this, I know that I'm taking another step toward announcing the birth of Jesus to the world because he's not a baby anymore. He's Lord. And you can use my life in this area that I'm lifting to you right now. You can use this part of my life as a testimony to people around me so that they will be curious enough to ask me, man, what made the change? And I will simply say, Jesus. And as we do it, Father, I'm thanking you that you are birthing revival in this church and through this church. We're not looking to have like nightly meetings for every night for the next five years. I just want to live in your presence, aware of your presence, always. I want you to always lead us to places where we can proclaim that Jesus is Lord in a way that is authentic because our lives match the statement and is not religious because we're not talking about working. This is what you've already done for us. Birth it through us, we pray. Continue, God, to spread this contagious, crazy message of a God who would die for us and be raised to life again in power that he then gives to us. Man, continue to spread that message through us to the world. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.